Hi, AfterBuzzers. You're watching the AfterBuzz TV After Show for Containment Season 1, Episode 10, A Time to be Born. Join us and special guest Claudia Black as we break down the episode and give you our thoughts and predictions. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. <laughs> I love, I, love, I love DJ Claudia. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> some great tunes. Yeah. Love it. Hi, guys. I'm your host, Katie Campbell, and you can find me on Twitter at Katie E.E. Campbell. That's Katie with three E's Campbell. And we have a really fun panel tonight. Uh, to my left, Tiana Hobson. Hey, everyone. Tiana <laughs> Hobson here. You can find me at the Tiana Hobson, and I also have the live chat on YouTube going right now. So let me know what questions you have for Claudia, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Sabine. Yeah, aka DJ Lomas. Yeah, DJ Lomas in the house. DJ Lomas over there. We're so excited to have you, Claudia Black. Thank you for having me. Yeah, where can everybody find you on Twitter? At the Claudia Black. Love it. Because apparently there's an A Claudia Black or a, <laughs> another Claudia How Black. That's what happened she? to me How too. Very <gasps> dare she. Yeah, is. that's why I had to go with the Tiana Hobson because uh, someone else was out there. I know, and it feels obnoxious and narcissistic, but what can you do? It's yeah. just like someone says, you need a, a Twitter, whatever, immediately. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> and out it goes. I love it, and we got Gabriel Gonzalez over there. Hey guys, you can find me on Twitter to talk all things containment at Double G on TV. I've heard it's the most gangster sounding username for someone who's not street at all. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw an interview with this. We have sci-fi royalty, not almost sci-fi royalty. Thank you, thank you. You've done your research. (laughs) Yes. 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 I showed him, didn't I? You did. You did. Yeah. So many of your fans, I tweeted it out today, and they were so excited to just uh, talk to you. They're fans of the show. They're fans of your work. So we're really happy to have you on the show. Thank yeah. you. I know. I, th- I just think it's I'm testament to the fact that if you stick around long enough, <laughs> just, you know... Throw stuff and something eventually sticks. If you build it, they will come. There you go. I like that. Thank you. We are so excited to talk to you. Have so many questions for you. Before we get into tonight's episode, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in each week. And if you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, please do so. That is youtube.com slash AfterBuzzTV. We are also on iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us that five-star thumbs up, leave a comment, and tweet us all using the hashtag ABTVContainment. So... Let's jump into this episode tonight. Where do we even begin, Katie? You know what? Dr. Lomers. That's exactly (laughs) where I want to begin. I feel like I have to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. But you're so good at the role. Yes. (sighs) I think you're a little too good, but please. Do you know, it's really interesting because the previous episode when when David, Jesse, and I, there's a, a little bit of background which is interesting because obviously this is based on a Belgian series, Corden. And when everyone was getting excited and Julie was staffing up and, and, you know, getting all her writers in the writer's room, they all talked about what their favorite parts were of the original series. Now, I personally didn't watch beyond about the fourth or fifth episode mm-hmm. because I had this feeling and my manager was saying, listen, they they think you're a great fit and, you know, we'll screen test you or whatever or whatever we need to do. Oops, sorry. And I was working on the originals at the time. So we had to sort of make that work. But I didn't want to get too invested in the original. So I stopped okay. watching, but they, all the writers were sitting around talking about their favorite moments from each episode, and they said, oh my God, that episode where Lex and Lomas end up in the container, we have got to definitely do that episode, okay. because they could pick and choose and decide for American audiences what had the most meat, what was the most mm-hmm. interesting for them to explore story-wise. 
And then apparently, and they were sort of figuring it out and trying to, you know, sort of hitting a couple of walls with it. And they said, well, let's just watch the original again and just sort of see why, you know, why we're hitting these walls. And when they looked back, they realised that there's actually in the original version, apparently, only one or two scenes where they're in the container oh, together. Oh. Which I thought was really interesting. So they end up spinning. And I read the episode. And I thought, my God, this is a long time for them to be in this little space. And the crew was going nuts. I mean, it was such a confined environment. Um, but, you know, we did that episode, which was really intense. And you really get to see Loma stripped down. And I yeah. said, you know, this is a great opportunity for her to really see the humanity because everyone's been begging for it. And when I was performing, you know, all the episodes leading up to that, I would get you know, pared down, they'd say, no, just just ice queen it. Just really just, you know, we want her hard, we want her strong. And I'd say, but where's the humanity? Yeah. And everyone had wanted it, but it was very strange. You're sort of serving so many different masters when you're making a show to begin with. And the notes were the notes. Keep her ice queen, keep her hard, keep her strong. So finally I get this opportunity to break her down. And then we get this episode. <laughs> oh. And David, Jesse and I were on set and we, he said, have, have, have you read the next episode? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And he said, so, so you're a sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently so. Because, I mean, there we were giving it our all and really letting, you know, she really lets it rip with Lex and lets him see the real her, apparently. And, and mm-hmm. then she's back to... Spinning. I know. I really got on her side last episode, Mm. and now it's turning around again. And I'm thinking maybe this whole friendship thing in the container last week was was just a chess piece in itself. Yeah, and and when you think about the potential pathologies at work, is it narcissism? Is it is it you know she a psychopath? Is she a sociopath? She sort of reminds me. I've you know been in in the presence of people who when they sort of realize they're getting caught out they're like a wild cat in a paper bag just trying to get out of the bag Mm -hmm. and they'll do anything they can to get out of that bag Mm -hmm. and yet what's really interesting and sad and frustrating is that Julie Plett gave us um, some insight into where she would have taken the story for season two And there's so much more to it. And I always knew there was, but I was still shocked personally reading each episode and saying, but hang on a minute, this wasn't what I was told. I was not oh. told that Lomas was at the, you know, <laughs> at the right. bottom of this. <laughs> and, 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 and maybe she actually isn't, but, you know, not getting a season two. It's a really weird position contextually to be in to talk about her and what she's doing and how she's playing this. Right. So you guys were getting the script sort of as you were shooting. Like, did you have... A, a lot of time in between the scripts or anything because for your character especially you know being the ice queen as you said <laughs> yes. you know it's like one minute it is a sociopath one minute we're like oh man Lomer is like I feel bad for her she's just got that tough job you know of making the hard decisions and the next minute yeah. it's like oh well maybe she's just really smart and the mastermind of everything and should rule the world and I think it's mm-hmm. a yes and I think she's all yeah. of that mm-hmm. and I think that's what's amazing about playing these complex characters is you can't actually pigeonhole them and I think you know, one of the greatest things that happened for me, and it's coming up in a, in an episode, is that Marguerite McIntyre brought voice to aspects of her point of view that really ground her. So I liken her as a result of that episode. I would I would liken 
Sabine Lommers to the Jack Nicholson character in A Few Good Men mm-hmm. when he says, you know, when, when Tom Cruise finally pins him and, you know, the case is, is you know, busted open by, by Jack Nicholson's admission, when he says, you know, you can't handle the truth, I put men on that wall so that you can sleep at night, there is truth in that. And it's a really weird construct that we end up in in our culture and in our society where other people are going to have to do really awful things to keep the rest of the population safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's we got the episodes to answer your question. We got them early uh, compared to other shows I've worked on. They were mm-hmm. very organised, and I think the plot the way there's sort of a drip feed each episode, those little plot turns become a big deal on a show where we're really only capturing about two weeks of, of, of real time yeah. chronologically. Wow. Well, I guess for you in that case, you know, we see there's a, Dr. Lomers is a very layered character. Mm-hmm. For yourself, how do you see the challenges of having to condense all those nuances that her personality goes through within the span of two weeks? Well, it's... It's interesting because most of my scenes were with David Jesse, so I really it was nice in that way. And if you'll pardon the pun, it was very that was contained, you know. So there was a that we we thought we knew what the arc was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, But I was still shocked, and I and it's sort of acting one hundred and one. You know, you're never supposed to take. You can't judge your character when you're Mm. playing them. But as I started to think that she might have a pathology, I thought, oh my God, this is, it was sort of heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. and and yet I think in, in right now, and not to get too political, but I think it's really important when we look at what's happening in America and, you know, with, with Brexit, the shadow aspects of humanity are really surfacing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so to be playing someone, I've got chills. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm making it really important what I do for a living. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, it is brain surgery. It's really I just turned into a, I know, and that's the problem. I have to admit, in Australia, it's a weird thing growing up that when we would put on an American accent, it was normally to denote or to, to you know, to express insincerity or, or you know, a slight drop in IQ because of the shows. Because of the shows that we bought. For some reason, mm-hmm. we would buy these really sort of asinine programs that were sort of based, you know, that targeted the LCD. And, and there's there's so much extraordinary content that gets made here because you guys have amazing budgets and you have these incredible writers. Mm-hmm. In Australia, writers are paid sort of five cents in a stale biscuit. And, and here, there's a real culture of writing. Mm-hmm. And yet we would get this really dumb stuff. Um, but... Uh, I think, yeah, politically, or I've seen some of the things people are talking about online about the show. We, you know, we we raise some important uh, some points about what's happening in culture in terms of mm-hmm. corruption and politics and racism and all sorts of things. And so, to be playing this woman who's very political, um, it's a, it's an interesting shadow piece and a privilege to sort of tackle. Yeah, I'm starting to question things in my life and people's motives <laughs> and what they're, you know, really doing. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about what, you know, Lummers thinks, because I feel like I want to grab onto that humanity that we saw. Mm. Not sure if I can believe it, but I want to grab onto that. Maybe she is doing it for the greater good. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, this whole thing that, that she has planned. Um, you know, we see her go when she gets out she goes to the captain who mm-hmm. by the way has been annoying me <laughs> for so long and it just makes me even more mad that he flipped the switch and all of a sudden he's on Lomer's side mm. 
just mm. out of nowhere, right? He didn't want to take orders from her at first. Well, he sees that he was wrong now. He so. was. There's 11 people out of those 12 dying now. Which, I mean, the 12th one is just a matter of time if he's stuck yes. in a tent with them. Is he still locked in there with him? With yeah. them? Yeah, they're all under container. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to stay in that tent until mm. all of them are cleared or not. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, Lomas actually addresses that earlier on when Lex comes to her and says, but this is a death sentence. And she says, yeah, well, they have been sentenced to death. They have been, unless you follow the rules. But, I mean, essentially, when you think about the science of it, no one's getting out until that disease is, until that virus is dead. And even though it acts very, it, you know, it's a very fast-acting virus, what does that mean for the population that's inside the cordon? And in terms of, you know, talking about the chief and the way that he seems to have, you know, flipped sides or flipped the switch, people are so ill-equipped to deal with these Mm -hmm. kinds of crises. And they are real and they can happen. And there are very few people who've actually been on the front lines. And that's why... um, Miles Doliak's character makes the mistake of sending people in. He just doesn't get it. The stakes couldn't be higher. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny when she says, you know, works the media and says, you know, if we actually follow the rules and we can save the city and we can save America, and you just think, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it, it, once this jumps from from body to body and someone gets on a plane, it's it's curtains for everyone. Um, so it's it's interesting to sort of see how each of these characters. Um, you know whether they follow the rules or not will determine whether they become heroes, whether they die. You know that you know the stakes are high, and it's interesting to see the choices they make. And I loved watching um, Sabine do that because you know she's like, oh well, the press is here. Let me go over here. And, <laughs> her, and before we saw that, we had her and Lex talking about how they needed to get the power back. Mm. And I was like, man, that's such a boss move right mm-hmm. there. To you know Power's welcome back. everyone back. And oh look, she's the hero. <laughs> the media loves her now. Everyone, she's getting fan mail through you know the mm. media and stuff from people yeah. tuning in. And, and when I'm, you think about what kind, I'm sorry, what kind of personality it would take to take that job on? I mean, it would be miserable. I just think about how lonely Sabine is generally Mm -hmm. I mean so few people she could even tell the truth to so her relationship with Lex is so interesting as a result actually well I was going to say I find it uh, ironic because one of the names I've heard you use for Sabine is the bad news Barbie yeah and I thought (laughs) you know you wouldn't think that her doing that would flip the script in her entire narrative as far as in the media but she it's a boss move. Yeah. And as in the words of Beyonce, you know, who run the world, I guess. <laughs> Lomas. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I'm aware she that does. I'm outnumbered at this table. I'm just going to address it right now. Oh, but you know what? I don't think that the answer is matriarchy as a response to patriarchy. I think it's, you know, I think we all need to be in harmony rather than have women taking over. Yeah. Just saying. I like that. Yeah. Well, Lex actually was on her side a little bit too after that contained time in, in the little bin there. Um, <laughs> But he goes to Leo, and Leo quickly catches Lex up on everything, and she has a house in Nantucket, and she's the one that knew Burns, and and kind of pinned this on the Syrian guy, and um, I'm just really impressed with Leo. Mm. I'm very impressed with his his journalistic, everything that he does. He definitely bends the rules a lot, but, you know, he's getting the truth, he's telling a great narrative, he's... Mm. He's determined to get the truth out to the people, which I think he, I think Lomers in some way wants that too. They're, they have very different ways of doing the same thing. I think you raise a good point. I think she's, I think Lex gets to be the person that she 
cannot be under any circumstances and it's almost like she has it's like the serial killer model where when they're profiling someone they have to start thinking like the killer i think sabine is more in relationship with the virus than she is with any one which is really sad and you know she even talks about that in the previous episode she says you know what a stupid virus it doesn't behoove the virus to kill its victims so quickly these Mm -hmm. you know the, the aids what a beautiful evolved virus all these different viruses and what a strange point of view to have and yet when you think about what she does for a living and what her background is she's going to be more in relationship with the virus itself yes Hmm. i'm just still thinking though there's something to her husband and that storyline and Mm -hmm. maybe he's the one that was on the phone in nantucket i do have to say this so we know that sabine is uh, not impressed by the virus in terms of how it destroys itself which makes me think, well, if she was behind creating a super virus, she would want... She seems like the kind of woman who wants what she pays for. <laughs> and I don't think Dr. Kennard, so She would not be satisfied with the work Dr. Kennerts has done, which makes me think there might still be another player in the game. Ooh, and not just Dr. Point. Lomers. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she's not... Yeah. She's definitely not acting alone. That's not to say that, you know, I don't think Dr. Lomers is one of our main villains, but we're going to get into that soon. Yeah, and then then when you think about, I mean, it's, you know, the more we grow up, the more adult we become, the more we have to accept that nothing is black and white. There's always that gray area. And, you know, maybe it's the stuff that Sabine tells herself at night that allows herself to sleep, or maybe it's actually the job that she's been given. Mm -hmm. Yeah. there, you know, when her phone rings, it says POTUS. It's not saying, you know, Sue from round the corner with the, <laughs> with, you know, with the grocery delivery. I mean, she's really, and and the person, the woman who would have been um, hired in real life to to perform this function would have been directly appointed by the president. Mm-hmm. So that person exists, and when you think about what they do for a living, there are you know in terms of bioterrorism and and how to keep a country safe and where America is positioned in the global sort of mm-hmm. politics. Um, bioterrorism is a really important um, matter for national security. Didn't the Syrian guy have something in his bag that was the virus? Yes, and they said that that was like proof of bioterrorism. But now knowing what we know, I feel like, was that manufactured evidence? And that's not out of, uh, I think, out of reach, in my opinion. Just, uh, I'm still curious if it was just time for baseball to come again, or if Dr. Lomers asked (laughs) the president to get that team back in there to help her with the media. Mm -hmm. Well, Lomers has this relationship with the chief, too, and it seems as though she was playing the chief, but had the chief believe that that was the right move Mm. um, to stop the violence, but she wasn't telling him all of the information. So, you know, the chief had Meese do some dirty work and get in on the inside. Although I just feel like, so what did he do? He went into this apartment and for the Monera Gen papers. Yes. What information did that paper have? Well, now we'll never know, Katie. It's all burnt up. What was it supposed to have? Well, let's see how good Leo is at doing his (laughs) job, shall we? I I feel like we're taken to assume that um, they would have found more about the origins of the virus, maybe the chain of command that it went through as far as custody, if it was Dr. Lomers, if it was Dr. Lomers' husband. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it, Dr. Cannard. His sister is some part of his motivation, and I think we would have gotten a bigger clue had we gotten those papers mm. smart cookie over here yeah. 
thinking brain. Oh, I, I came prepared tonight. <laughs> wow, you <laughs> sure did. I mean, think about it too, though. I mean, Lexus, she's created this whole sort of, you know, she wants him to be the face and because people trust him. But he's now being forced to do things that he would never have done mm-hmm. ordinarily. So everyone's being pushed. Everyone's being pushed into that gray area and, and, and judging people for their actions. Sabine talks all the time about information and access. If she were to tell people what was really going on, there would be absolute panic and chaos. Her mm-hmm. job, in terms of service of the greater good, is to l- get this virus to die out as quickly as possible and save as many people in the bigger picture as she can. So uh, in a way, I excuse her at this point for doing what she's done up until now because she, she it's literally about the headcount and, and collateral mm-hmm. damage, and she's been trying to minimise that mm-hmm. by being very careful about the information that's disseminated. And social media ends up being her greatest enemy mm-hmm. because she can no longer... She's a control freak in absolute chaos that she cannot control. And speaking about that, Leo's plan was to kind of out her with his article... And mm-hmm. all the shady things that he thinks is going on, and Lex doesn't think it's enough evidence, so he, you know, has this other plan that he wants to do, and he wants to approach her and tell her to resign because this is the information he has. I think it would have been better if she's a control freak to just put that information out there. Well, I think she's calling um, Leo on his bluff. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you believe that you can flip them on me after I just made this power move, you're welcome to try. And we see that. Uh, Confidence in Sabine, and I think that's what makes parts parts of make makes her so. Ah, I can't say it today. She's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, y'all. I know some of you viewers are happy she's doing that to me. Stare at her. Yeah, I'll just do uh, the know, weird stare. You know. Okay. <laughs> stare off. Oh, I don't gosh. Know. Katie, take over I the conversation while we do it. I think Lomers is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I what? did blink about fifty times, but it wasn't a blinking contest. Katie. <laughs> After 10 weeks? You she t- just is impressive, whatever her motives are, I'm telling so, you. Well, I, <laughs> go ahead, Well, I just think that the plan was good and it was bad. Mm. Because it's good because I agree with Lex that if they had put that on the internet, especially mm. of all places, Leo's site is a good site, but it's also a place where conspiracy theorists yes. kind of hang out. Okay. So I don't think it would have been a credible thing for it to be leaked there. Now, going to Lomers is smart, but what they don't expect is that she's already three steps ahead. Mm -hmm. And he gives her until the next morning to call a press conference, so that gives her even more time to be like, okay, well, like, how can I spin this, and how can I make sure I still look good at the end of this? No matter what they do, they should have waited to go to her until they had more concrete evidence that they could actually go to a judge with of some sort. Yeah, but we've got Leo who just is pushing Lex He's to do no it. Patience. You have two hours. And I think, you know, whatever happens, we see this press conference next episode um, where I think she's trying to spin it in her favor. Whatever happens, I think Leo's going to let that article out anyway. Yeah, but at that point, it's going to be kind of like too little, too late. It's like, right. oh, well, now he's trying to save his own butt. Well, it's interesting yeah. to see as well because of everyone's motivations. I mean, she's working for the president. She's working for the country and she's going to do whatever she has to do that's within her power to do. Mm-hmm. She may end up being the patsy if if they have to, if the government needs to save face. She knows that her whole life is on the line, but she's got a job to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo's very invested because he feels personally responsible for the death of his friends who were on the trail. Right. And Lex has got the love of his life inside. So their motivations are really interesting. 
And in a way, as villainous as Lomas is, you think I'm defending her, don't you? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm ready for the next one, but please finish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a very good question for you. Go for it. Okay, so we talked about this. I do believe that Lomers is playing chess while a lot of the other characters are playing checkers. Yeah, I do want to give her the credit. That's what makes her such a formidable antagonist, and mm-hmm. I will stand by that until the season finale. Mm-hmm. My biggest question, because I think I've said this... Okay, I want to break it down. In the last ten weeks of our show... Oh my God. Fumble. Never before happened on BuzzFeed. Claudia's (laughs) dropped water, possibly near electrical equipment. No, we're fine. It happens all the time. Uh, That's very sweet of you to say about it. We are going to survive. We are good. Oh. (laughs) It says, don't worry about it up on the screen. Mm But there's uh, there's an emoji with the sort of the teeth that are like you yeah. know worried. <laughs> it's coming towards the microphone. The way, though, this a... is rather expensive equipment. <laughs> um, I would use my dress, but it's rather short. You know, in That's all okay. honesty, you can use my t-shirt. Well, you know, Miss Black. Yeah, I think you might I'm have to start taking worried. it off. Um, that it's would be not exciting that kind of television. Show. Oh yeah, really? I was told I'm, it's on I'm the not internet. Chris, I'm not Chris Wood underneath this shirt. I'd like to point. That I out. don't know if anyone is. Okay. Here we go, look. All right. There we go. Clean it up. Very excited. (laughs) Someone was threatening to come in the door and then they... I think we have that coming. Great. All right. So Uh, what was your... She just got saved. God, I just... I'm so, so animated with my hands. I talk with my hands, hands. too. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Happens. Okay. I thought it was very convenient timing that I was um, about <laughs> yeah, to... Yeah, isn't that interesting? It's so weird. <laughs> Thank you, After Buzz Engineer. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, it's really weird how that happened just as you were about to say something bad about lovers. <laughs> I was say that. that I, you know, that is a very Sabine Lomers move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have a lot of friends who are Australian, and they all say the same thing about, you know, watching TV out there, but they c- everyone can do an American accent very well. And I just say to them, that's why there's nothing but Australians and British people on American television no. shows now. It's unfair, isn't it? I mean, not that anyone really wants to do an Australian accent, but it's impossible. It's so hard. It's so hard. No, I tried. I embarrassed myself very badly. You know, not that you're off the hook, but out of curiosity, sure. how do you feel when they try to do an Australian accent and it just comes out as a British accent? Yeah, well, it's... it's imme- well, and it's confusing, too, because I have a bit of a hybrid accent. I'm getting more and more Australian, but I was sort of living in London for years and my oh, management okay. team said you must never sound Australian not a skerrick when you walk into the oh. rooms because we don't want them to start focusing on that so I started ironing out any of the little twangs that sounded Australian but having been brought up by a grandmother in complete denial of us being in Australia rather than England <laughs> she you know we spoke round and forward all the time anyway but uh, yeah no it's it's yeah no look is what I always teach people first when I'm trying to teach them an Australian accent Julie Plex getting quite good at it actually oh, okay nice. so you were going to nail Lomas let's not ignore oh, this yeah. I, I'm not going to shy <laughs> yeah. away from whatever it is you have to throw my way I'm going to take this moment to address uh, several things in the last 10 weeks I have said that I am okay if Dr. Sabine Lomers gets sick I have said <laughs> I would be okay if she did not make it out of that box with Lex <laughs> I have said that her husband seems like a shady character and that they fit. Ooh. You know, so, you know, if you. I know, right? I just so want to let you guys, all the live internet, I'm not afraid that she's finally right here next to me to stare me down. I want to just make it clear. I do believe Dr. Sabine Lomers is one of the most 
evil villain on television right now. I hope you win your Emmy for that category when it comes out. Oh, bless. But my big question now, why do I dislike Sabine Loomers? And I want to make sure I get it out and I want your take on it. Yeah. Her drive to achieve her goals, I believe it supersedes any kind of compassion for those she would put in harm's way. Mm. One of the biggest examples I always go to is when they do the food drop. She is mm-hmm. aware that a very formidable person willing to injure innocent people is now in charge of the food, but Sabine Lomers doesn't have compassion. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, if Sabine Lomers took this job to help people, mm-hmm. how is it that she ignores the fact that those innocent people that she wants to protect, that's why she takes on such a dangerous job, how is she okay putting them in harm's way? It's such a good question, and I really wrestle with it myself because I grew up in a family full of doctors and scientists. Oh, wow. And I, I respect science and yet I am so frustrated by the ways that facts and data are interpreted and also the way research itself can minimize or become so singularly focused that it doesn't allow for other factors to get a more complete uh, perspective. So when people conduct a certain um, study, they may they, they narrow down the parameters too much for my liking. And I think that there are a lot more. I'm a very my I have a very relational brain. I have sort of empty space in my left brain. There's tumbleweed in there, and I'm contemplating doing a short film about renting out my left brain on Airbnb. I mean, I'm just <laughs> I'm so relational, and I believe everything is connected, and that's that's the that's just my belief system it's the way I process and I think Sabine is is the opposite or at least has to behave as if she is the opposite and what drives me crazy is I'll have a sense that something is connected and that there's cause and effect and it's not looked at the same way by scientists who narrow things down Mm. I get driven nuts personally by epidemiology and the way that they'll look at numbers and say well based on the population per head of population having this amount of people get this type of really rare cancer does not fall beyond the norm so we would say that if these people who all went to the same high school which happened here at Beverly Hills High School a lot of people at a high school reunion turned out had this and Erin Brockovich was on the case I don't know if she still is and what's happened to it but I read an Mm. article in Vanity Fair about it you know she was investigating it because there was definitely something there that was you know they came back for this reunion and and a large number of people had very rare cancer and at their age Mm. they were saying this is crazy it's not just breast cancer or or prostate cancer they were these very strange cancers mm-hmm. and so she started to investigate it but the the tests were coming through saying in terms of epidemiology well we have to look at the statistics and therefore based on the statistics and the data we have having this amount of people from this high school get these types of cancers at this age is not beyond the realm of possibility mm. so we're not going to say that it's weird hmm. now that drives me to distraction personally but that's the world that Sabine lives in. So she's mm-hmm. looking at numbers. She has to be out of her heart and very much in her head. And and it's a frustrating, it's a very, uh, you know, a character that's, that's very much in opposition to the way I think and relate in the world. Who would survive, though, with the information that Sabine has, maybe not even the position of power she's in, just the knowledge that she has is probably going to keep her safer because mm-hmm. she's not going to make a decision from her heart. She'll probably take care of herself and be clinical Okay. Who knows? Um, you know, you notice in the container, it's Lex who touches her arm. 
she's being very particular about the way that they communicate. She wants to make sure that he doesn't, you know, the back and forth with the walkie-talkie, all of that stuff. She's all about protocol. And that may very well keep her safe. What would have been interesting to see explored in season two, if we had one, was who does survive and why and how. Oh. Maybe Hart ends up prevailing, but uh, right now she's she's the one who keeps saying, I've been there, I've seen the mistakes that other people made in Sierra Leone and in other places where these viral outbreaks occurred. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow the rules, then, you know, it's very, the, the odds are it's m- much more likely you'll die. Oh. That's very interesting. I... Um, Speaking of so, Lommers probably would survive. Somebody who might not survive is Katie. Oh, that oh. broke my this heart. Whole, I mean, they've been building up this Jake and Katie thing, mm. and we're all obsessed with it. We love it. They're JD. so cute. Mm. Yeah. That JD hashtag, JD. it's real. So, Wait, I thought it was Katie with a K, or Cake with a K now. That's their ship name also. Oh, really? Oh, it's we had Kristen, Kristen Gutowski suggested. It's like, wait, you could do that with a K for cake. It's true. Yeah, either way. Yes. Well, Katie, you know, uh, her whole storyline, you know, she has a son. I really don't want to see her die. No. Uh, the son loves Jake. Mm. I feel like if she does die, Jake... Could be but he has that crazy grandma down. who is yeah. definitely not going to let the stranger man who her son's former drug addict baby mama <laughs> fell in love with during a crisis take well, care of know. the child. He, he's got a gun. <laughs> that could win a lot of arguments even if you don't you Sadly. Know, point it. Sadly. Yes. Now that normal rules of society mm-hmm. have sort of d- devolved. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, I think what's important and really interesting I found very touching is is watching the Jake's arc. And I think normally in a show you can start to identify who's going to have experienced the most growth. Mm-hmm. And from the minute when I read it in the script and seeing it, you know, when Jake decides, when he's given the onerous task of disposing of the bodies by Canets, it's the choice he makes to document and mm-hmm. protect and preserve these people's dignity and their story by at least saving something, some evidence of them so that after this apocalypse it it also sort of demonstrates a certain amount of hope and and wanting to preserve people's dignity and it's a really touching moment but what you see in that moment is Jake becoming a man that there's this huge sort of turning point for him where he's having to do horrible things Mm -hmm. but he's finding this real sort of tenderness and and reverence um, at the same time and that juxtaposition of what's going on everywhere else and what he's having to endure so him delivering the baby him coming in and doing all of these things him having to step up and Katie's saying you know you're not the guy that you were pretending to be two days ago so just mm-hmm. quit it and be be the real hero that's in you and that's one of the things we've always talked about with this show is the unlikely heroes that people are put in this extraordinary circumstance and what will come out of them who will they become and what choices will they make and it's interesting for us because we probably ask ourselves the same question. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. one of Julie Plek's favourite games is if there was a zombie apocalypse, who would we keep at this table? <laughs> all these all these BFFs and, mm-hmm. and who would we reject? It's like you, you drink too much wine, you're out. <laughs> you, you whine and you get hysterical when, you know, when it, so and, and it really does make you start to think. I felt like in that moment I was like, oh my gosh, my friends would not choose me. I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. You'd probably be okay. I have a friend who thinks he's a zombie expert and there was a, a test that came up on social media, you know, the zombie apocalypse test. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to see his results and he lasted two days. I'm like, two days? <laughs> I had my money on you. I was going to come over to you in Sherman Never Oaks and know. just, you know, hole up in your apartment, but you didn't even make it, dude. And he's like, I know. It was his pride and his ego that got yeah. in the way. See, my question, uh, quite bluntly, 
Do either of you guys run very fast? Be honest. I do actually. I played soccer my whole life, oh. and she's I, fit. I, 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 I was a volleyball player. I did short sprints. <laughs> <laughs> no me too. I'm a, exactly. I'm not a marathon girl. No. I'm a sprinter. Give me See, a sprint. I, I, I did martial arts. So my Ooh. biggest question is, you know, that isn't going to come in handy with the mob. I'll, I'll just say it now. But I was thinking, okay, out of the four of us, usually, who would survive? And I told myself, well. I don't have to survive the mob. I just have to outrun my three co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> but now, after hearing that, I think that um, it's a close race. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd be running. I'd be somewhere. booking it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, Katie talking to Cannards, too, I thought was really interesting. Um, we, I feel like I really don't know what to think about Cannards mm. at this point. He's, he's just as mysterious as Lommers. Yeah, I, but I, I think he mm. might be more in the dark. Ben Lammers is. What I find crazy about him, I think he's actually starting to become more unhinged. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he was really doing well at putting on appearances, and I bought it. You know, I admit it. I was wrong, you know, when he when we see him getting caught in a lie now, later in the season. I think his personal motivations are going to push him to really start to crack. I mm-hmm. think we just haven't seen it just yet. But Sister? Um, yes. I also got to say that usually... Coiffed, quiffed hair. It's starting to become a little messier lately. I know that's not just, it's a subtle thing, but it's like, I think he's losing it. Well, I was always told never, never go into a relationship with a guy that has a better relationship with the mirror than you do. You know, if they need that much mirror time to make sure the hair's looking good, then, you know, it's probably not a good sign. What I find funny when we had George Young here, he, he saw himself as Dr. Cannards and he was like, that was a horrible haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Teresa and giving birth. You know, a time to be born is the name of the episode. And really, what a time to be born. That baby. I hope, I really hope that Xander, Teresa, and the baby survive. I can't see this ending badly. I mean, that birth alone, if she didn't die from that, (laughs) then she shouldn't die at all. It looked so painful. It sounded like someone was... You could survive anything. Yeah, it sounded like someone was being murdered in the next room, like someone was breaking and ripping off fingers, like torture in there, Mm -hmm. so I couldn't imagine being Xander having to listen to that and not be able to do anything to see what's happening but just uh-huh. to hear the screams coming right. out of the room. And, and it's interesting because I, it reminded me watching it tonight just, you know, he decided to break the rules and break into the cordon. Not many mm-hmm. people would be that crazy. <laughs> and so what he was willing to do mm-hmm. to get to his, his baby mama but there he is at the actual point of birth not able to have any contact with her at all well, and the show really mm-hmm. for me it's sort of it's something that Julie Pleck loves too there's this concept of intimacy and contact and and love and 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 what these situations do to these people who are desperately trying to get back to each other mm-hmm. and what the virus does just sort of keeping them constantly apart um yeah, it's uh, and and it's become much more apparent for me watching it now that what it must be like for those people. <clears throat> excuse me, playing Sabine. I was constantly outside the cordon and separate and doing all my scenes with David and and just seeing their dilemmas and what they're going through and what it must feel like to be trying to survive with this mm-hmm. this sort of basic death sentence. It's yeah. it's terrifying. It is. Um, I think. Well, one of the things that's tough, and one of the things we love about it, is how much Xander has really grown up. He yeah. went from being very uh, young and like, oh, we're gonna run away and take on the world, and now we've seen him step up. And I've been really impressed. I know you guys have been too. Mm-hmm. 
someone I didn't think would change my mind though was Susie. Hmm. Susie yeah. has come a long I, way. She's pregnant. <laughs> what I wrote down, like she grew up, mm-hmm. in you know over the course of that, and I didn't think we'd see that. She was one of my easy ones. Like you're gonna, you're gonna uh, lose in the race. Yeah. I was so proud of her yes. for sending yeah. Dennis away. Yeah, I don't even care that she lied to him because you know what, dude, you Listen. cannot abandon me after I tell you I'm pregnant. And then show up sick and be like, I know Listen. I'm gonna die, but I wanna be with you and the baby. And so no. she says, I'm not pregnant. He's like, All right, yeah, bye. bye. Yeah. Yeah. He did not oh. want to be with her and the baby. No. He wanted to bury his secret of cheating on his wife because the people that he loves, this family that are outside the court, and they're gonna find out mm-hmm. if Susie's pregnant and mm-hmm. she could possibly go and tell them. So he was trying to bury that. Why would you wanna be next to her when you're sick? You're gonna kill her and the baby. Yeah. Secret's gonna die with you. Well, it's also the character of a person, their mm-hmm. true nature comes out. When they're in in these in these moments of crisis, and 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 Dennis really reveals who he is, and it's mm-hmm. interesting because there's that sort of foreshadowing, and it might even be the pilot, one mm-hmm. of the very early episodes where Dennis comes in and starts talking to Jana about what you know what to do, and she says, "Yeah, thanks, Dennis," and rolls her eyes. I mean, you can see how much contempt she has for him, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting moment of his you know the his character really revealed when he comes to to try and find a, a place to die with comfort I feel sad for Susie because Susie obviously had feelings for him still does and she has to just close that door even though she has those feelings inside still mm-hmm. yeah and, and normally an honest person who wears her heart on her sleeve and in this moment she chooses to lie in mm-hmm. order to save other people and keep them safe and you know, send him on his way, and that's interesting. You know, to to send someone off to their deathbed with a lie—it's mm-hmm. it's a choice that Susie probably wouldn't have made. Yeah, maybe that is a sign of maturity. Yeah, everyone's yeah. doing what they have to do. Sam mm-hmm. and Jana were doing some great things, being yes. coaches for her. Jake was a great assistance with the birth Saved as well. But yeah. Sam creating that object—does that balloon? Could that really work to hear the baby's heartbeat? Yeah, possibly. I thought they were getting creative with it. Which makes me think, you know, wait, aren't you just a utility guy? Yeah, it's the, it's the MacGyver of the cordon. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but you notice, I mean, thematically, lying becomes something I just spat like a theatre actor. Um, yeah. That just happened. Um, lying is, is, is a theme in this episode in particular, and Jana turns to Sam and says, you could lie, you can lie in this moment. So it's, you know, all the, the, the sort of the liminal spaces that all these characters are exploring between, you know, the, the truth and, and, and the, the untruth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, what did I do in that moment? <laughs> well, you know, Camp Lomas, Camp, yeah, camp Anti Lomas at the moment. Yeah, is, you want you her know, dead. So. Right? <laughs> you know, I wanted to address that with another very important question because we really appreciate having you here. How is it in 2004 you only named the number seven sexiest woman in sci fi? Yeah, I can't remember the chronology of that, but at some point I was named sexiest. And there I have a trophy. I can I can tweet oh. it for you if you like. Um, yeah. I actually tweeted it to a friend the other day because one of my neighbours has got, you know got an Emmy and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I've got a Saturn Award. And he said, what's a Saturn Award? And so Ooh. one day when I went up to visit him, I just sort of popped the Saturn Award up next to his Emmy and left <laughs> and sort of to let him sort of explore it. And the, the the plan was to then take the Emmy and sort of take it down to my place and see if he noticed. <laughs> yeah. 
but we had this big sort of these crazy storms and all these trees had fallen down on our property line and there was sort of wet mud and everything. I was like, I am not that that Emmy is heavy. It is precious. <laughs> We're just going to leave those two awards together. So I was taking a photo for a friend if it was from SFX magazine. Mm-hmm. And it's a sexiest female, and I texted it to a friend and said, you know, my mom as a scientist has dedicated her life to the greater good, and she's been in service of humanity her whole career, and she's been awarded a medal by the Queen of England, and needless to say, we're both super, super proud of my achievement <laughs> of being sexiest female, hey. you know? Some year, it's I don't know when. It's a great award. Right? Yeah, you know, because being sexy is really important, and I just want to say to everyone, you're welcome. Oh my gosh, that is my favorite. Thing. That's awesome. <laughs> well, in this whole court in, we have a new member, Baby Leanne, and yeah. we've got a lot of things going on next week. Let's jump into a few predictions before we go out here. It's like being abducted. Now, yeah. <laughs> I said it last week, I'll say it again. Baby Leanne equals the <gasps> cure to this I thing. I forgot you said that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Baby Leanne has something to do with finding a way out. There yeah, has to be. Somebody I just want it to happen so bad. Has to find something next week because Katie's dying. Yeah. Currently. We have to stop Katie's death next week, guys. Yes. So this baby is our biggest lead. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, for me personally, um, Sabine Lomer survives to the season finale, much mm-hmm. to my dismay. Oh. <laughs> sorry, <Heather>. not sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think I actually want it to somehow come from Katie. I think that she's held off the virus, and I really just... I know that Jake, we see him as a hero, but what I love about her, the way Kristen Gutowski plays Katie, is that she's just so strong, and I really want to see her have that moment of being able to save herself, because mm-hmm. she's already saved those children, and I want to see that. And also, um, the Sam storyline... Yes, he is a bit of a MacGyver, but it's like, there's got to be something no. more to him He's already. a good guy. He's an ex-Navy SEAL no. who just wanted to live a low-profile life as like a janitor at a Maybe. Right on the DL, just he's, so that yeah. he doesn't, you know, he's not bothered he's anymore. He's a good I, guy. I want him to be the wild card psychopath that no. just changes no. the game. No. But you know Listen. who, sorry, no, you who don't. came back this week? <laughs> Who Trey, yeah. who is obsessed with Teresa for some yeah, reason why? and that whole pregnancy. That's why Weird. that baby Guys. is so important. Even mm. Trey knows yeah, that but this baby is important. Doesn't he just care because he's got kids on the outside so he understands the... Maybe his kids don't have anybody looking after them and he's I worried agree. about Maybe that. the baby is Trey's! Dun, oh, dun, dun. No. oh, no. Xander and Teresa are too cute. <laughs> and these <laughs> are the days of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> squiggly lines, yes. squiggly lines, <laughs> flashback. We have a lot going on. We've got Lommers trying to spin this whole thing with a press conference. She's blaming Dr. Cannerts, which maybe that is kind of true. We don't really know. we got to figure out what's going on with Cannerts. And Lex and Leo, Leo's telling Lex we might be next. I mean... I'm really excited for the next three episodes. Oh. Sorry, I was going to say, oh, you were going to make a prediction. Well, I was Go just going to say my my other prediction is that I don't think Lommers has as much to do with this as it's being, mm. like, told right now. It just seems like it's too obvious right now that it would all be her. If mm-hmm. she has something to do with it, she's definitely working with someone else or her she's husband. protecting someone. Her husband. Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I have to say that when we did the research for and preparation for the pilot, George Young and I and 
so as the as the those of the the characters representing the medical um, faction of the story were put in one room with an epidemiologist from the CDC mm-hmm. as a as a resource, and and the cops, you know, Lex and you know David Jesse and and Chris will be placed in a room with a cop from Atlanta PD, and and it was actually very exciting and stimulating for all of us. I think we all came out of it really inspired to get this information, and you know, the guy from the CDC was this is absolutely accurate. This is very realistic how the virus would mutate, how all of this would work. Gave us all this information, and and, and I said, and I actually asked them. I said, what about the personality? of these people I said I think that someone in her job who you know Sabine there might be a pathology there and he said oh they're absolutely I mean these people have to have almost a screw loose in order to be willing to do the job that they Mm -hmm. have to do there's a very there's a there's an unbelievable arrogance that that sort of allows them to detach from to desensitize and to detach from the human aspects of it because Mm -hmm. otherwise they wouldn't be able to function and make those decisions but then when the epidemiologist left, uh, head of development sat us down, me and George, and said, just so you know, this is the backstory and this is, you know, this is the deal with the virus. And I was sitting there and George was sitting there and our mouths were open. I was like, oh, my God. And I sort of, like a kid, felt like I was walking around with this massive secret and that I couldn't <laughs> talk about it with anyone for the longest time. But then we started to get these episodes that we're watching now and I was like, George, George... This isn't what they told us about in the room that first day. George, what are they doing? George, this is very different. So I've, you know, I've been playing this character with these certain assumptions and information, not even assumptions, but just information that I've been given. That's just it. And I said, Julie, you know, I just wanted to... My voice went a little high. I just wanted to talk to you, Julie, about um, a couple of scripts that I've read because I was just a bit... Um, because I was told that something else and people and the things about the plot and... <laughs> And she, the answer she gave me wasn't that satisfying. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So even I've been surprised by the twists and turns. And I was like, have they played me? Did they do this so that I would give a convincing performance so that the twists and turns come, you know, completely <gasps> out of them? So, and, and, and yet when Julie talked to us about, you know, season two and what she had in the works, it's like, oh, really interesting places that it went and sort of vindicating in some ways for me and for George and whatever. But it's just... Yeah, I think all of us are surprised mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's partly what makes it such interesting, you know, uh, TV to watch yeah. because right. it's, it, you know, everyone everyone's under the microscope. Yeah, it's a really fun show to watch each week. Yes. It's exciting and they got the twists and turns and we are so excited about you joining us. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you it's been so, so much. much fun. You guys take it seriously. I'm impressed <laughs> yeah. you did your research. Thank you. Well, where Definitely. can everybody find you to keep talking to you about containment? Oh, well, I am... Again, the Claudia Black on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm doing my best with social media. I forget about Instagram, but I'm also the Claudia Black at the Claudia Black. Um, and I, I have to, there's a couple of projects that I've st- I'm still not allowed to talk about, but mm-hmm. they should release that information hopefully soon. Um, really proud of my involvement in those, and um, it was fun. I just thinking about my sons who, you know, I've been trying to, certain things they say, you know, this is confidential. I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't tell my kids because they've become so aware mm-hmm. now and they read and what have you. Um, but they got to see me play three very, very different characters last year. Cool. Really different. So it's been fun to sort of, 
what a privilege to sort of cover all of that terrain and That's go amazing. into all those different worlds. We can't end this show without Katie and I saying that Aunt Dahlia was amazing. <laughs> was the last season loved her. We covered you know the after what? show for the original, oh, so we were do. like obsessed. <gasps> So when oh. you said you were coming tonight, we both were like, oh, my God. Aunt Dahlia. Yeah, well, you know what, though? Her character, too. She had yeah. some kind of a humanity side as well. Yes. Love it. Even uh, mm-hmm. in a way, um, what I loved about Dahlia and what I love about the originals is the the Bible of that show, the, the layers of history, the relationships. It's so rich, that tapestry that you know it, it it makes it all the more meaningful mm-hmm. and and what a privilege to play a character that was built up for so long before she actually appears on the screen right. mm-hmm. um and the relationship between she and her sister is just so heartbreaking and i i was really moved by the two actors who played the younger versions of us mm-hmm. and so that really helped me because i wanted to bring in these layers of dahlia and and just watching them just brought her whole story to life and, and, and really made it easy for me to find the humanity in the layers in Dahlia because you could see that there was this innocence in her, mm-hmm. that there was this huge betrayal and you get to see how a person can sort of reform in a very, you know, sideways and get very sort of off as a result of these sort of strong feelings and betrayal. And, and uh, I keep saying to them, you know how... Esther and she sort of then <laughs> the ashes and whatever. I mean, maybe she could come back as the, yeah. a hybrid. I think she totally could. The hybrid, and they're like, there's two, there's two one-way exits on this show. Oh, One is no. decapitation. <laughs> no, it was a stake through the heart and. Decapitation, decapitation, I think. Oh, the burning. I can't remember. I was like, but she got burnt, so maybe there's a... So we'll see. You honestly never know with these shows. Julie Pleck is awesome. She is. She really is. She really is. Yeah. Um, She deserved better. I want her to get a season two somehow, but maybe that's, you know... I mean, it's... this was her baby and mm-hmm. she believed in yeah. it she put her heart and soul into it and she what a formidable squad she's put together actually Seriously. we're very very yeah. tight Truly. so we'll have and, that for life and all of her shows mm. everyone mm-hmm. seems so yes. close mm. and the, it's that family unit and you hear the same thing from mm-hmm. everyone who works with her the same thing so yeah. you know she's a good person mm-hmm. she does deserve Oof. let's yeah. petition that season two for Netflix, Netflix yes. something <laughs> you know yes well, they thank you again. Everything. Yeah, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so thank much. You. And Gabriel, where can everybody find you until next week? You can find. First of all, thank you so much for being here and taking my questions. Oh, you guys can find me all the time at Double G on TV. And you can find me at the Tiana Hobson on Twitter and Instagram, Tiana underscore Hobson on Snapchat. And you can find me on Twitter at Katie E. Campbell. That's Katie with three E's. Campbell. Instagram at Katie Campbell thirteen and YouTube.com slash Katie Campbell online. Thank you again, Claudia, for joining us. We loved having you, and we will see you guys next week. It's going to be eleven eleven in one minute. Make a wish. Make a wish. Make, make a, a wish, wish everybody. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 